Welcome to Matter of Fat, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavota, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and that's what we're going to talk about today in a little Matter of Fat mini-sode dedicated to chatting business. I'm joined, of course, by my co-host and producer, Soraya Bogani, who's going to help me answer some of your burning business questions. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, Minneapolitan millennial who's helping Kat channel her inner Kelly Kapoor business bitch in this mini episode. Yes. Okay, so as you likely know, I own a small business called Cake Plus Size Resale. I started selling clothes online almost six years ago, and now here we are. I have my first brick-and-mortar shop in Minneapolis that's just celebrated its second business birthday in October 2019. Business is booming, I'm strategizing growth for cake, and I'm able to also work on some cool projects inside and outside of the shop. More and more folks are asking me to share my business story, looking for advice, or wanting to know more like behind the scenes business info about cake. I was sharing this with Soraya recently, and she suggested I chat about some of this information on the mini-sode. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I get the behind-the-scenes details, but not everybody has access to that kind of information. So we were talking about it, and it seemed like such a winning idea. The people want to know more about your work and business, so let's put it in the pod. Then when you get asks, we've got a mini-sode for that. I love it. Uh, okay, and truly, like I don't know everything about everything, business-related or otherwise, but I have been able to learn a lot over the last few years, and I'm really happy to get to share a little bit about what I know. Awesome. Let's get into it. Okay. Let's take it back to the beginning. How did you get into business? I'll tell you everything. And also, I feel like I've shared this a lot before, so if this is a repeat, I don't know, fast forward. 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Maybe no. a minute. <laughs> Maybe a minute. <laughs> so... Um, In January 2014, I started selling clothes online. It was very accidental. I had items that I wanted to get rid of, and I knew I should, like, take pictures in them instead of just, like, putting them on the floor and taking a photo because I'm a curvy person, and I wanted to – if I were to buy clothes online, I want to see them on another plus-size body, you know? So I took all these pictures. I was going to sell my clothes on eBay because that felt like the main option at the time. It was, like, before it was really popular to have – you know, like, before we had Poshmark and Depop and, like, all those other things. Mm -hmm. Um, But before I uploaded things to eBay, I thought, well, maybe I'll just share this on my Facebook and like kind of make a public album and see if anyone I know wants this stuff. Like if I'm going to send it out anyway, let's see if people in my circle are interested, you know? And in one weekend, I made several hundred dollars and I was like, oh, maybe I'm on to something. And so then I started, I quickly ran out of my clothes, um, but I started going to thrift shops. I was living in New Orleans at the time. I started going to thrift shops a couple times a week, finding that there was really great plus size stuff, though it was very far and few between. So really like, um, kind of digging through, finding the good stuff, bringing it home, taking pictures and outfits, putting them online, and then selling clothes and shipping them all over the country. It started really small on like a little Facebook page, and then it grew to a website, and then a little bit of a better website, and then I started a little blog for a while, um, and then I kind of incorporated pop-ups. Then I'm in the process of all of this, I moved back to Minnesota um, and started keeping a curated plus-size rack at a thrift shop here, Be Resale. And then in 2017, kind of all of the magic happened. At the top of the year, I took a business class through Women Venture. Women Venture is a local organization that helps women build and grow businesses. 
And then I did a crowdfunding campaign, and then I found a spot. And in October, the first weekend of October of 2017, Cake opened, Cake Plus Size Resale. My shop was called Cat's Closet before, and then with like the growth into brick and mortar, I had a little bit of a change into the name and kind of branding. Mm-hmm. And you know, like... I say this all the time. I like fashion. I like um, I like it a lot. But what I really care about is like people, plus size people in particular, feeling comfortable and confident in our bodies. And I just found that like clothes have always been a really good way in. I mean, in 2014, you know, selling stuff like through Facebook, being able to have conversations with people. And then today, being in my shop, having those same conversations, like that's what really like keeps me, keeps me going and like makes this something that I, that really fills me up you know mm-hmm. so talk about taking the leap into working for yourself because for me that sounds scary so was it scary and how did you decide that you were ready yeah I mean it is scary right um and I guess I think that no time is a perfect time and like if you kind of wait for, for a perfect time it will never happen and also you can be strategic and I feel like at first I wasn't very strategic and then I got a lot more serious so In 2015, I was still living in New Orleans, and I quit my full-time job at the university I was working at uh, because I wanted to focus more on my business. And I was, like, really just kind of looking for a sign, like, you know, come on, universe, like, show me that I should leave my job. And there were just, like, a (laughs) bunch of things that I thought were signs. So I I imagine. (laughs) Yeah, when you're looking for it, it'll happen, yes. (laughs) Um, But at that time, like, my business was making very little money. So like Cat's Closet was not super lucrative. Like it felt like a lot then and I felt like I was doing a lot of work. But like now I it is what I would understand to be a hobby business. So something very on the side, very small potatoes. Um, for reference, like in 2015 and 2016, like when my business was operating, you know, online in like these small ways, the amount of money I brought in in sales, so like before expenses and stuff, the amount of money I brought in in sales is less than half of the amount of money we brought in in sales at Cake last month. So it was just like a lot smaller, like a lot less volume than what's happening now. Granted, like it was a lot less expensive to operate a business in that way, um, but it was just, yeah, really small. And so it was a lot to kind of try to make that leap, but I did. Um and I guess, like, I, it felt like it was okay to do that without a solid plan because that was the information I was getting from a lot, and, like, the suggestions it felt like I was getting from a lot of the quote-unquote boss babe woman entrepreneur, like, Facebook groups I was part of and the, thing, the communities that I was kind of reaching out to virtually because I didn't have a lot of people in my circle who were, like, interested or focused on that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I guess, like, I just, I think that when people offer those suggestions, they're coming from lots of different places, and, like, everyone's at a different place. Um, and for me, you know, I was, like, supporting myself. I was paying back student loans. I had a master's degree, but was making what I thought was, like, not a great salary. Um, and it was just, it was just hard, right? I, I don't think I thought it all the way through. Mm-hmm. So I floundered a little bit, and shortly after I left my job at the university, I decided to move back here to Minnesota because, like, that year of 2015, I had been back and forth a bunch. A bunch of my friends got married that summer, and so I flew southwest every time, brought clothes with me, did pop-ups. Soraya, you were at many of them. <laughs> Who knew we'd be here I today? know, truly. Um, and so I just felt like there was so much support for my business and also the beginning, like, the rumblings of what would become, like, a lot of 
body positive, fat positive community here. Like I just felt it. And I knew, okay, if I want to open a brick and mortar shop, I got to go back to Minnesota. That's where I need to be. So that's what I did. I moved back here in December of 2015. And then like the year after 2016 was just still like I was kind of floundering. I financially like wasn't doing very well. And so that pushed me to take a temp job (laughs) that like weirdly turned everything around. So I started working um, as an admin at this local construction company. So random. So, so random. Weird, but so wonderful. Nothing you would have chosen. Oh my God, never. It was truly because it's like, this is so outside of what my like career trajectory has been. I knew I would be able to like be okay with just being there part time, coming to work, going home, that kind of thing. They paid me really well to do a lot less work than I was used to doing. And they were just like really kind and supportive. It was just awesome. Yeah. So I will say that it was... What I think you brought to that position that made people supportive. Yeah. So like I, we were hanging out. We were friends at that time. And I think you showed up and added so much value to their organization that in turn they wanted to help and support you, which like if I was listening to this and considering what steps I need to take, it may feel discouraging to think like, oh, I don't have access to that kind of job or business. But um, from what I can recall of that time, it wasn't just the job or the people, but how you made that experience work for you and your goals and really genuine and non-manipulative way yeah I mean like it was very mutually beneficial and I think you're right like it was a lot of me sort of setting my intention and kind of communicating it to them like it was no surprise that I was working on my business it was no surprise that eventually I would be leaving like that was part of the plan and it was just sort of like oh we can get Kat to stick around a little bit longer you know um I was I feel like I saw ways that I could be valuable to them and kind of worked my strengths to like show up in those ways I don't know. It just it worked out really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there part time for a year and a half. I didn't leave that job until cake had been open for three months. Um, and yeah, so like this was the second time around sort of. And so I feel like I was a little more thoughtful, more strategic. Um, and it just it was like a, the stakes were higher. Like I was signing a three year lease. I had loans and like you know was painting and building fitting rooms like building out the shop space like the stakes just felt much higher and so I think that also I I knew like okay you gotta be serious about this so in addition to the um the like part-time job that kind of helped me make this transition into full-time entrepreneurship I did a lot of other things to help support that so I cut my personal expenses a lot I lived in my friend's basement for a while (laughs) I then moved um, I got this position as a caretaker for an apartment building so I had really reduced rent for which I did a lot of things like shoveling so much shoveling so much shoveling shoveling. and actually I did that until just recently this summer was when I quit that the caretaker role so this is my first winter shoveling free I'm very excited Uh, I also like drove around my hunk of junk car for a long time I didn't travel at all I didn't spend much fun money. I was just like very business focused. And I think changing those parts of my personal life really set me up for success and like kind of making that change. It also felt more and more like I felt like I was going in a positive direction. Um, When I like doing the business class with Women Venture and sharing my plans with other people and taking more steps to make it real, it just like I kept being reminded that I was on the right path. And that, yeah, helped it feel good as well. You know, like, I think I'm pretty well suited for this type of life. And the two biggest things I see, it's like, I think I'm just a little bit more comfortable with risk than some people are. And I think I'm also just more willing in some ways to recognize, like, I'm just going to work a lot at this point in my life. And 
I'm okay with that. I think part of that's because the work's really fulfilling to me, but um, I don't know. I oftentimes think, like, I'm not really that special. I'm just, like, more comfortable with, like, a certain, with these certain things. Hmm. It kind of sounds like you've figured out your motivation and then what it'll take for you to achieve that goal and then how to reconcile that into a lifestyle. Yeah, that's, like, a great way to put it in sum. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did you determine the likelihood of success and, like, how did you know you would have patrons and bring in money, crystal ball, psychic readings. <laughs> like, what did that look like? None of those. Okay. Well, I don't knock it until uh, you try it. I think that I, so I'm learned, I've learned that it has to be your gut and data, not one, not the other exclusively, but both of them. I knew for a long time, like I had a good business idea in my gut. It was like, this is really smart. And it was part, it was it was informed a great deal by my personal experience and like also you know the other plus size people I was talking to but it wasn't until I went to women venture that I really had to do business research in the sense of like comparing my business idea to other like other businesses in the world Mm -hmm. looking in like markets understanding that like the plus size fashion industry is like really strong and the secondhand apparel market is like really booming as well and to be able to explain like oh so I have I've created this like little niche between these two really thriving markets like I think data wise like I'm really set Mm -hmm. up for success and then also because I had been selling clothes online for so long you just learn things and like it didn't feel very official when it was happening. But looking back, it's like, well, of course they know what sells well. You know, of course they know the things that customers are excited about and the things that they're not really excited about because I've been selling stuff for so many years, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. How do you project manage and get all the shit you do done? I feel like a lot of people ask this question. Okay. and I just asked. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I, I share that a lot of people ask it because I've thought about this quite a bit and I have a lot to say. But the first thing is this. I don't know if I really manage it very well. Like, I think it's important to share that I work 12 to 14, 15, 16 hours most days, except for Mondays and Saturday nights. Um, I don't have family or a partner right now. My apartment is not very clean. I rely on lots of like prepackaged and ordered in meals. So like step one of how to get everything done don't because you can't like it's not possible to do all the things. And like right now for me, Building my business, expanding my personal brand, and advocating for fat liberation and social justice values are just, like, more important to me than making sure my house is clean. But that's just me, you know? And that harkens back to, like, what you just mentioned. It's like, you got to decide what's important to you, and that's how you figure it out, you know? Uh, But you probably also want to know, like, some strategic things. So the biggest is perhaps goal setting. I've always been a busy lady. I've always liked to set goals. Um, and a little known fact about me is that I actually wrote a workbook about goal setting. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. It's called, I printed it off back in the day. Oh, I love that. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called Goal Digger, A Guide to Approaching Your Future with Intention. And I would like to say that I feel like I used that goal digger language like before it was in vogue. It was like 2015. It wasn't as cool back then, you know. Maybe I started the trend. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe, isn't that the question, like, did you start the trend or did you, like, latch on just as everyone latched mm-hmm. on? That's, it's probably the latter. <laughs> it was definitely the first time I saw it. So I just remember, like, after doing that workbook, people would, like, screenshot things that said Gold Digger and send it to me. Oh, so, interesting. So to me, that feels like it was, like, one of the first times they had heard about it, too. Yeah. So maybe it is the former. I don't I don't know. Mm. Okay, I'm giving myself a lot of credit. Yeah. We'll, we'll scale back. That's okay. <laughs> So the, one of the reasons I wrote this workbook is because people 
had often asked, like, how do you set goals? Like, how do you, you know, work on getting all this stuff done? Um, But what's really helped me in the last year, I guess it's been a little more than a year, uh, level up my goal setting and, like, really give more focus and intention to my plans has been getting a life coach. Well, actually, I don't know if she calls herself a life coach. Shannon is amazing. She is a coach that helps women in business and entrepreneurs and is so wise and wonderful. And, by the way, a really good follow on Instagram. So we'll, we'll link her. Uh, she, like, working with her has helped me put into practice things that I already, like, knew and wanted to do. But, like, it's easier to get it done now with the support of someone there to kind of check in on me, you know? Uh, So, okay, basically for me, good goal setting goes like this. You think big and then like you break down things into smaller and smaller and smaller bits till you know what you should be working on today. So for me, like I have 10-year goals. It's this big list of things like where I'd like to be in certain parts of my life in 10 years. And then this year, for example, in December 2018, I was thinking like, okay, in planning on who, what I wanted to be, what I wanted things to look like, how I wanted to feel in December 2019. And those things are just like part of, you know, that they're informed by, by that 10-year plan. And then like quarterly and monthly, I have goals and action steps that are basically things like on that year goal list or like smaller chunks of those goals. I've gotten into the habit of creating like three to five monthly goals. So like when I'm doing work, when I'm deciding what to do like day to day, kind of those like to-do lists and like the weekly to-dos of life and the shop, I can use the monthly goals to help determine where I want to focus more of my time. I really think writing down goals is powerful and like reading them and looking at them and reminding yourself of them regularly. I do have a lot of feelings about manifesting. Like, you know, the meme that says maybe it's manifesting, maybe it's white privilege. (laughs) I think there's a lot of things outside of people's control that can't be manifested away, you know? Um, But also, I think there are lots of things that are in our control. And there's just some kind of like weird magic of naming a thing you want and then focusing on it. And to me, like, that's what goals are. So, okay, that's like what goal setting is like for me. But I also feel like it'd be smart to share some specifics about like how I decide what I want to prioritize on or focus on in my business. And it's this. When you have a business, you need to prioritize things that generate revenue. Groundbreaking. Yeah, you got to make that money. (laughs) And I know it's not groundbreaking, but it's easy. It's just easy to, like, think of all the, like, sexy stuff and the cool stuff. But it's like, no, 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 but, like, how are you making money? Mm -hmm. So for cake, like, within our values, I want to spend time focused on things that are making us money. Uh, And that means like making money relative to how much effort I'm putting out uh, and or how much I'm paying others to do that. Some things just like are not lucrative. For example, um, one big thing is not all but most pop-ups. They're usually like really labor intensive um, and I come back home with like a fraction of what I would have made had I just like been in the store. Couple that with like booth fees and paying someone to come with me to help and extra time to pack and haul and transport and set up and then me standing on my feet for three to five hours and then packing it all up again and taking it back to the shop. Like it's not usually the greatest use of my time or energy. Another example of something that's not lucrative relative to the time it takes is our website. So I love having stuff available online. You know, like like I just shared, like my shop started online. But when I ran the numbers, 
I found that it takes almost nine times as much time or effort to put something up for sale on our website as it does to just like hang it out for sale at the shop. And, you know, like that includes taking pictures, editing them, writing descriptions, uploading to the website, packaging, making shipping labels. Like all of these things feel like little steps, but they all add up. But I love having stuff online. So like even though it's wildly labor intensive, I've wanted to keep it. So we've been like thinking about it and making modifications. And recently we started doing like a seasonal collection where we batch like over 100 items all at once and then do a lot of work over the course of like a couple weeks rather than trying to do it all throughout the season or all throughout the year. Um, and it's something like where I see it's not as effective, but I still want to do it. It's so like I'm modifying it to make it better because I know it needs to be a better use of time and money. But an example of something that is a really good use of time are style sessions. Sure, like it takes well, you know, with prep and then the session itself, it's like usually at least two hours, sometimes more, but the money made from them, like through folks booking fee and then like the average amount that people spend when they have the session, it makes it well worth my time. And not to mention like the deeper benefits of connecting with someone for 90 whole minutes, which is like my favorite thing. And there's actually like, there's something to mention there too. There are always benefits beyond like the actual money you're taking in or like the actual money that's being made in a moment. But in my experience, Doing things like just for exposure or just for the hope that they'll pay off eventually is not something most of us can afford to do very often. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing and like what I'm noticing is that you continue to incorporate integral parts of your business, but ensure that they're evolving and like alongside your growth. Yeah. So you grew out of the need for pop-ups, but they were important to the brick and mortar that exists now. That was how you got your name out there and people understood your presence. The web presence really goes back to Cat's Closet but it's smarter more now than ever before. You're not just doing something because you've done it before and it worked once. It seems like you're really taking the elements of what worked uh, and, and you're reshaping that. So question, how do you innovate or even come up with these ideas? Oh my gosh. Like I just always have, like always have too many ideas. Okay. So, but like, what about the fact that folks don't always have a constant oh, okay. <laughs> like, like role of ideas on their mind all the time? So like, what does that look like for you? Okay. So ideas for coming up with ideas. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like we're going back to brass yeah, tacks. I love this. it. Yeah. So I love a good brainstorm um, and like a true brainstorm where you're not censoring stuff before it comes out of your mouth. Like you're just, if it's an idea, it gets written down or it gets shared because like who knows when an idea, even if it's silly, might inspire another thought that gets you to like where you really want to go or to something that you're really excited about. I guess like just allowing yourself the space to imagine and dream and think about the multiple paths that could, or like the options, all the options you have to like get to where you want to go. Okay, and I also feel like under this question of how I get shit done, I should talk a little bit about, like, some silly little, like, hacks I have. Well, okay, I don't know if they're all silly. Some are. <laughs> uh, one thing that I've been working on a lot lately is just, like, learning how I work well and doing more of that. Not trying to work in ways that don't serve me, but knowing, like, oh, I am really effective in this space or when I do this, so I'm going to do it. And an example of that is... I find that I get a lot done in one-on-one -on -one meetings with people. So, like, that's what I do. I'm often planning in real life or phone meetings. I'm really – because the thing is, I'm really focused in the meeting. And then I'm also, like, very sure to get stuff done in preparation for the meeting. <laughs> uh, so I just know it works well. And honestly, Soya, I think our work with Matter of Fat has really solidified that for me. Yeah. Like, that's how we get a lot of stuff done. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it works well for us. 
And in this culture that's, like, very, like, anti-meeting, it's like, oh, no, but, like, one-on-one work time together doesn't feel like that to me. It feels very effective and, like, productive. Another little thing is that I set my timer for 12-minute increments a lot when I need to get a lot of stuff done in a short amount of time. So, like, if I am at the shop and have an hour before we open, I'll set my timer for 12 minutes and then 12 minutes again. And so then, like, every time it goes off, I can kind of, like, know where I'm at time-wise, refocus, and, like, get back to work. It really helps me stay efficient. I thought you were going to ask me about 12 minutes. No, because you were too sassy earlier. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I love even I numbers, people. I thought it was people. really smart and, like, math-based, but oh. it's not. Soraya thought that, like, if it was, there was, a, a, like, some kind of real reason. This I is, thought it would be, like, okay, so I know each hour is going to have five chunks, and then I can really tackle, like, five separate entities in that time. Or that. No, not at all. No, I just like even numbers, and 10 felt too short, and 14 felt too long. <laughs> That's it. That's why it's 12. You choose a number that works for you. <laughs> there's no secret number, folks. There's yeah. No, no, there's no secret. Yeah, I just love even numbers. Also, fun fact, every single item in my shop is an even number price. Every single thing. Other little life hacks. I don't spend a lot of time catching up on Instagram stories, even though I would love to. It's like such a treat when I get to just like sit and watch people's stories. Oh, it's so fun. Um, But I don't allow myself or don't not allow, but I just don't often um, have the time to do it. I've also subbed audiobooks and podcasts uh, for reading, which you all already knew. Um, Oh, and then here's a fun one. Um, I put, you know, I mentioned how it's like so important to write down your goals and look at them often. I post my goals on my bathroom door so I can look at them while I'm on the toilet where I spend a large amount of time just (laughs) relaxing. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) that's a lot of stuff. But like in terms of getting shit done, it's the goal setting. It's the prioritizing things that like make money in my business. And then it's just like all these little weird things. Mm hmm. So all these little weird things, all these different elements, how do you stay true to yourself and your values while trying to cultivate those and also cater to your clients? Yeah, I mean, like it's a balance, you know. I guess I've just thought a lot about what I care about and what I want my shop to stand for. Uh, I love our cake customers and like the clients of all kinds that I get to work with. For the most part, like, our values really do align. But when they don't, they don't. And it's, like, I then have to kind of assess, like, is it my values that need to change? Like, uh, kind of check in with myself. Like, okay, do I feel good in this? Um, And if I do, then, like, maybe we just aren't the best fit. Columbus Day 2017. So (laughs) What a day. What a day to start this off. Um, So the shop opened, uh, as you remember, um, in October 2017. The week after was Columbus Day. I, on our social media that had, like, on Facebook specifically, that had just been really heavily trafficked from, like, all of this opening press, like a big opening event, I shared this fuck Christopher Columbus meme, of which I still stand by, Mm -hmm. Um, and people had some thoughts. And there was, like, a lot of, there were, you know, comments, the initial comments were like, hey, you just opened, like, this isn't smart. Hey, you just, like, use the F word, don't curse. Hey, that's not, and just, like, a lot of things critiquing the message. And I, from the business account, responded and was like, thank you, but we are a pro-curse word shop. Thank you, but actually we've been in existence for a long time and, like, really cultivated our values. Thank you, but, you know. Um, And it was just, like, a lesson to me, like, okay, these are the values of the shop. Like, Christopher Columbus is trash, and we're happy to say it. And if you don't feel that way, that's okay. But, like, that's not going to change how I feel or the things that I want to put behind my, my shop. And what was cool was that as the day went on, 
there were just so many people with positive comments um, and saying things that like they were happy that that was shared. And so it was just like a reminder, you know, who I'm here for. Another time I think this sort of thing comes up, it's like maybe when people might push back at a policy I have or something like an example could be if someone was upset that we couldn't accommodate a drop off for buying if they had clothes they wanted to sell to the shop, you know, and to drop it off because we don't do drop offs. People, you know, wait while we look through their items. I've made store policies with thoughtfulness to preserve my business and the people who work for me and myself. And if my business isn't profitable and me and my team aren't supported, like we don't have a business for anyone to shop at. So if those boundaries can't be respected, then like maybe that's not someone that I need to do business with. And I'm shown time and time and time again that our amazing customers are like so understanding and thoughtful and kind. And like those are the people I want to do business with, you know? This is so exciting since as a friend, I've seen you grow and develop your business, but it's just like next level to hear it all laid out like this. So I hope this helps others think about what they can do next. Thank you. This is just so fun. It's my pleasure to share all this info. And thank you, you Soraya, and you, our listeners, for being interested in hearing how my business started and how I do what I do. Uh, oh, I also should say, like, as a re- I'm sharing this stuff, it feels like I'm just kind of scratching the surface, both in terms of, like, I mean, I got to some of the questions people tend to ask me, but there's lots more. And then, like, within all these questions, man, I just have, like, so many stories and examples I could share. Uh, and that exact thing is what's inspired me to start a little mini endeavor that allows me to share my business thoughts and help with others. Because, like, I want to share and help and support. And also, right now, my main focus is working on my business rather than helping others with theirs. Also, you got to save something for the memoirs. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah, just like a little something. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to think of a way that I could do this on, like, a smaller level while still being compensated for my time and knowledge. So I decided I'm, I've started a subscription service where a group of folks can ask me basically like free for all business questions and advice each month. Essentially how it works is that everyone who subscribes gets to ask me questions and then receives an audio recording of me answering everyone's questions each month. If this sounds like something that would be helpful to you or you'd be interested in learning more about, you can visit my website for more info. My website is the same as it's been since 2014. It is www.catinspired.com. I don't know. I guess I just thought like inspired was easier to spell than Palavoda. <laughs> I don't I don't know about that, but it is inspired. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So thank you for sharing your expertise, Kat, and thank you for listening to our episode. Thank you. Can't wait to see you all next time on Matter, Matter of Fat. Fat.